So the Lord wants us to talk about a a topic today. Actually, it's a it's a word, um, and I can I can be so audacious to stand up here and say the Lord wants us to talk about it because I'm certain of it. Because when I spend time with the Lord, I don't preach what's on my heart. I don't preach what's on my agenda. I ask the Lord, Lord, what's on your heart? What do you want to say to your people? So this is a, a topic that He's been stirring for quite a while, and He just gave the green light and said, Yeah, I, I want you. I want you to preach on this. I want you to share this. And it's not just going to be a one-off. We're actually starting a series today on this topic. Before, before I really dive in, I want to say it's a word, a beautiful word that somehow we've allowed to become ugly. Somehow we've allowed for it to become heavy and distorted and something that is not. We, we apologetically neglect and avoid this word. That word is submission. Submit. Over the course of, uh, of natural conversation, there were a couple of friends this week that I was talking to that don't go to the church, and they just asked me, what are you preaching on this week? And, and this was at different times, and I promise you, I, I, just, I, I dropped one word. I just wanted to see their response. What are you preaching on this week, Mark? Submission. First person's like, huh, huh. And that was a dude. And then I asked, I was talking to a female friend of mine, and I'm like, she's like, what are you preaching this week? I'm like, submission. She goes, oh, boy. Submission is, is not the other S word. Submission is not to be apologized for or ignored or submission is good. The dictionary defines submission this way. Accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the authority or will of another. Okay. Synonyms are to give in, to yield, to give way, to back down, to bow, to capitulate, relent, Defer, agree, consent, accept, surrender, lay down one's arms, humble oneself, bend the knee, and comply. That's from the dictionary. The second definition is an act of presenting something, such as a proposal or an application or art or maybe music or or a painting or an essay for consideration, inspection, or judgment. The Bible defines submission this way, which, by the way, I do like the submission that we get just straight from the dictionary. I look at that and I'm like, okay, thumbs up so far. Nothing heavy there, nothing that causes me to avoid it there. So far, so far, so good. So this is how the Bible defines submission. It's a Greek word, uh, hupotasso, which I like because it reminds me of hippopotamus. I don't know why. It does. And I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Yes, we're, we're getting there, baby. All right, hupotasso. This word was a Greek military term, meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. And I like that. Like, just from a strategic standpoint, I really like that. To arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. 
in non-military use, this is cool, it was a voluntary, say voluntary, say voluntary, I was, that was the online people, they, but they, they said it too. It was a voluntary attitude of giving in, of cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. When we're talking today about submission, I need you to understand this is a voluntary thing that we are talking about. This is a voluntary submitting to the Lord. Now, I love the military definition, and I love the non-military definition, and I just love this word. And so much so, I'm going to keep talking about it for a second. There are six slight variations in the usage of this word. Okay? In the entirety of the New Testament, when this word is used, it is only used in one of these six ways. And they're, they're slightly different, but they're, they're cool. You'll see. Number one, to arrange under, to subordinate. Number two, to subject, to put in subjection. Number three, to subject one's self, to obey. Four, to submit to one's control. Five, to yield to one's admonition or strong correction or advice. Six, to obey, to be subject. Like I said, what stands out to me and what I hope stands out to you in reading those definitions is that that doesn't sound bad. So how have we let it become bad? How do we have weird feelings about this word? I mean, sure, the child, the rebel in each of us never likes to be told what to do. We seem to especially hate the word obey. And I mean, most of you are control freaks. I mean, most of us are control freaks. We, we, us, we. So we don't love the idea of surrendering control. But what makes this an ugly and even despised word for some of us? So I'm going to share those thoughts today. So do we have any wrestling or MMA fans in the audience? Okay. All right. So um, in these combat sports, there's what's called a submission hold. Um, also referred to as a submission. Oh, he, he's pulling a submission. And this is a grappling technique. This is a grappling hold which is applied for the purpose of forcing an opponent to submit or what? What else is another word for submit? Tap out. Tap out. I I heard the tap. To tap out. To give up. Either out of extreme pain or extreme fear of pain. Fear of injury. When used, these submission techniques can cause dislocation, torn ligaments, bone fractures, unconsciousness, or even death. Submission holds are also used by law enforcement. And because of our access to every form of media, we have seen submission holds used unjustly. Maybe that's one of the reasons this word submission 
is one we don't like. The Bible talks about submission, and I think it makes us uncomfortable because there are some very pointed, there's objects of who is being spoken to at certain times. And by the way, I, I did, I, I've been doing research and I've written out every use of the word submission, submit, subject, same word, that, that falls under one of these six usages of, of this Greek word, all of them. I have all of them in my notes, and then I identified the object who was being spoken to in every one of those. But these are the ones we don't like. The majority of the times, it's, it's all. It, it's Paul speaking to the church. It's Paul speaking to all people. It's Paul saying, beloved, Right? But there's times he says, wives, be in submission to your husbands. Ladies, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but how many of you all, that just rubs you the wrong way just a little. Then we also see in scripture the phrase slaves, submit to your masters. We're Americans, so that immediately takes our mind to American slavery, to, to early in, in our country's history. We think of plantations, and we think of abuse, and we think of that slavery. So we immediately are uncomfortable with that usage of submission. Then there's even women in general. Women. I ask that you be in submission in the service. These things, even some of you right now, you're like, why is he preaching on this? I'm not comfortable with this. Where is he going to go with this? Trust me, our God is good. And, and here's why we're doing a series. Because I can't tackle all these things in one week. We're starting a series. And so today I just want to talk about what is submission. Today I want to talk about, the, I want to have an introduction to submission. And I'll say this. All too often, we don't like this word because we have a dangerous combination of rebellion and ignorance. And I say we. I would like to take the opportunity now to say you're all very pretty and handsome and talented just to counteract that last statement. So before, before I go in, I want to tell a story. I want to... I want to tell a personal experience of, of submission. And as I was planning on, on telling this story, I, I realized, Mom, you, maybe you've never even heard this story. I don't know that I've ever told you this story. Um, and for that, I'm sorry. So back in 1987, um, I went to youth group one night. And then after youth group, it uh, could have been 86, but 86, 87, um, after youth group, our youth pastor said, hey, we're all going, you know, to this place in Southern California. It was called uh, Eat at Ed's, Ed DeBevick's. And um, it was kind of like a Gunther Tootie's type restaurant where they paid 50s music and the, the servers were audacious and, you know, big personalities and um, really cool place. So we're, we're eating. We're having a great time. We had a great time at youth group. And then the youth pastor's like, hey, um, you guys, give me give me the money, you know, and this is what it is, and this is you know, adding tip, and I'll I'll settle the tab. So we did that, and um, we stepped outside, and some people that drove, they're like, okay, you know, I, I'm, you know, see you later, we're gone. 
But there was myself and, and two girls. They were cute girls. Um, it's important. It'll, you'll see a reason. They were cute girls. And uh, we rode with the youth pastor, and he was going to drive us back to the cars, our cars. And so we're waiting outside the restaurant. This is in Southern California in Los Angeles and Los Angeles County. It's, it wasn't L.A. It was L.A. County. Um, and the police pull right up in front, and two officers get out. And you can tell they're agitated. But being 16, 17 years old, I don't know why they're agitated. I don't know why they pulled up. I just know they pulled up. And they immediately ask us, hey, what are you kids doing out front? Immediately, pride rises up, because I'm not a kid. I'm 16. I'm 17. Don't call me kid. So, but I, I reply, have you heard the story that I tell you? Have I ever told you this? I'm sorry. It's going to get worse. So, um, so I reply, and I'm like, hey, we're just outside. Our, our friends is inside um, uh, paying, paying for our bills for us. So we're just waiting outside. He's like, what, you didn't, you didn't pay for your food? I'm like, and then the condescension starts coming out. No, we gave money to him. He's settling the tab. So then he goes, well, why don't you guys go to your car and just and wait there? And it's, there's two officers, but it's one who's doing like most of the talking. So I'm the mouthpiece. Can I rephrase that? I got a big mouth. So I say, well, our friend who's paying the tab, he also drove us here and he has the keys, so we can't. And then he steps up to me. He's like, then you go wait by the car. Now, let me go ahead and interject right now. I have no idea why he's there. I have no idea why he pulled up quickly. I have no idea what the call was. I have no idea why he's there. And I'm too ignorant to give thought to it. I'm just a kid. And so when he steps up to me, I don't know why he stepped up to me and not the cute girls, but he stepped up to me. And he says, go wait by the cars. I tap him on the shoulder condescendingly. And I say, okay, officer. And he goes, hey, punk, why'd you touch me? And I go, kids, this is so wrong. Okay, this is so immature. Okay, I'm not, this is not one of those stories where I'm like bragging. This is so, so I reply, I don't know. Perhaps I find you physically attractive. And he says, you ever been in jail besides tonight? And I said, I said, uh, I ain't going to jail. I haven't done anything. He said, son, you just assaulted an officer. And he puts me in handcuffs and he, I'd like to say he threw me in the back of the, the car, but he didn't. He placed me in the back of the car. And the cute girls in my youth group who just an hour and a half earlier were worshiping Jesus with, they're sitting there looking at me and I'm like, mortified, embarrassed, the partner gets in the front seat and the partner says this, kid, all you had to do was listen and obey. All you had to do was listen to him and obey. All you had to do was keep your mouth shut. And then he got out of the car. He just kind of left me there. So I never told you that story. Yeah, I 
So I get to the police station, and he uh, ha- lets me out of handcuffs. And he says, you, you ever lay your hands on a cop again? He goes, you will never find another cop that treats you as well as I just treated you. And he's like, go home. So I'm there, you know, but we don't have cell phones at this time. Cell phones were like huge. They were like bricks, and only the rich people had them, and drug dealers. And so I don't, I don't remember who I called, apparently not my mom, but I called somebody, and, and, and uh, I, felt like the, I felt like the victim. I felt like, how dare he? I didn't do anything wrong, blah, blah, blah. Ignorance and rebellion. Ignorance and pride. Years later, six or seven years later, I get pulled over for a ticket. The officer um, says, why don't you come sit up in the car with me? And he's like, tell me about what took place in 1987. I go, huh? Because he didn't book me. He didn't fingerprint me. He didn't. So I'm thinking, I mean, he took my name, my address, all that. So I'm, he's like, tell me what happened in 1987. I go, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, tell me about that time that you were, you know, that you were brought to the police station. I'm like, how do you know about that? It's like, how do you think I know about it? It's right here, right here in front of me. He said, tell me about it. By this time, I was a little more mature, not much. And I said, I was an idiot. I ran my mouth. I was trying to show off in front of two girls. And my mouth got me in trouble. He goes, okay. He said, you know, I'm going to give you a warning this time. I got a warning, got out of the ticket. I'd like to say I've outgrown rebellion, but there's times it rises up. I'd like to say I've outgrown ignorance, but there's times I don't look into the heart of a subject to see what's really at stake. I'd like to say I am the epitome of self-control when it comes to my mouth, but there are times I am still mouthy or sarcastic or condescending or stupid. But it's getting better. Submission. All I had to do at that moment was to submit to an authority that was greater than me to trust that he's there for a reason and I'm not that reason, but he doesn't yet know I'm not that reason. Submit to that authority, trust that authority. And there would have never been an instance of me being handcuffed, which is the only time I've been in handcuffs or thrown in the back of the cop car, which is the only time I've been thrown in the back of a cop car or taken to the Torrance Police Department, which was the only time I was ever taken to any police department. Now, I do like that I have a story. I'm not going to lie. I like that I have a story, but I I wish that I, because I learned from it. You know, I wish I, wish I had been a little bit more mature at that moment. I tell you that story to say this, the values of authority and submission to authority are so important to God that they are a part of His very being. Authority and submission to authority are a part of God's being. The first person of the Holy Trinity is called who? The first person of the Holy Trinity, the the Father. The second person of the Trinity is called the 
The third is called the Holy Spirit. The Father and the Son. The Father and the Son. Inherent in those titles is a relationship of authority and submission to authority. The Father and the Son. The Father has authority over the Son. The Son is submitted to the Father. And in this inherent dynamic is the very nature of God. Our failure to exercise biblical authority and our failure to submit to biblical authority isn't just wrong and sad. And it is wrong and it is sad, but it goes against the very nature of God. So we're going to look in the book of John. You can try and keep up with me. We're going fast. If you turn to the book of John, we're going to fly through four, five, six. We're going to skip seven. We're going to do eight, and then we're going to do 12. And just to let you know, I could have, I could have camped at 10, at 14, at 15, but I just I felt like five was enough. John 4.34 says this. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. In reading these handful of scriptures, we're going to see Jesus mentioning obedience and submission and trust to the Father. John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father, the will of him who sent me. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 8, 26. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. John 12. 49, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. We see the same selfless trust. If you want to study these later, in John 10, 17, and 18, in John 14, 30 through 31, and in John 15:10 All of these verses, all of these have one thing in common. Jesus trusted and obeyed the Father in everything. He did nothing outside of God's will. It's remarkable. Everything the Father said, he did. Because he wasn't about his own will. Friends, I'm telling you that we are to be like Christ in, in saying, Lord, I want to do your will. Father, I want to do your will. Your will be done. It's part of a prayer that most of us pray often, the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done. We have to seek him, trust him, obey him. Belief is trust. Obedience is trust. Submission is trust. 
God promises us amazing blessings. So it's interesting. Um, the Deuteronomy chapter 28 uh, was the first passage of Scripture. And actually it was the first, other than I love you and how beautiful and thank you, Lord, the first words each of my three kids heard was Deuteronomy 28. I took out the Bible with Kara laying there in the bed holding the baby, and I spoke Deuteronomy 28 over Acacia in 2000, over Jordan in 2001, over Cadence in 2004. First words they heard, first scripture they they ever heard. I, I declared this over them, and I'm going to read part of it right now to you, but I encourage you, read all of it. So full of goodness. So... Um, Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall only go up and not down. If you, if you what? If you obey. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. Being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left to go after any other gods to serve them. In this passage, not, not just what I read, but in Deuteronomy 28, three times he says, if you obey, I'll bless you. If you obey, you will be abundantly blessed. If you obey, you will be the head and not the tail. You will only go up and not down. If you obey. I've said this time and time again, and I say it so often because we need to get this. There was a book that came out uh, a while back, The Seven Love Languages, and really good content, really good thought-provoking stuff. Anything that, that, that enhances a marriage, you know, I'm like, okay, let's, you know. And so this book talks about different love languages. I'm telling you right now, Jesus' love language is obedience. God's love language is obedience. The Father's love language is obedience. John 14, 15 says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 15, 14 says this. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I love the symmetry of that, by the way. We should never forget that. John 14, 15, John 15, 14. Basically saying, if you love me and if you're my friend, you will do what I say. That's how he hears love. Why do you think it is that that's how he hears love? Because that's our declaration of trust. He hears trust in obedience. He hears honor in obedience. I'm telling you right now, if, if at any given moment the Lord said, Mark, put your right foot in. Put your right foot out. Put your right foot in. I would do it. I don't have to know the reason because I trust him. I don't have to know the reason. I would do it because I trust him, because I honor him, and I would obey. Who knows? Maybe he spoke to someone earlier today and said, hey, you're going to drive down the road, and you're going to see some guy pulled over on the side of the road doing the hokey pokey. I want you to pull over. And the guy's like, I, what did I eat? What was that? And God's like, no, you're going to see some guy doing the hokey pokey. Pull over. He's going to pray for you. And if I'm not obedient to pull over and do the hokey pokey, you guys, I'm obviously using an extreme example, but it still rings true. 
Let's look at a king in the Bible who was chosen to be the first king over Israel. And he was chosen to be the first king because they were just clamoring for a king. God, God wasn't enough for them. They were clamoring for a human king. And so Saul was anointed as king. And so this is, this is Samuel the prophet talking to Saul. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Harsh. Man, to the point. that Imagine being the recipient of that word. I don't want to be the recipient of that word. I want to be yielded. I want to be obedient. I want to be submitted to my king. In your mind, in your mind, not out loud, in your mind, fill in the blanks to these, to this right here. Someone who is under submission is blank. I want you guys to do this. In your mind, someone who is under submission is blank. I don't want to see a show of hands. How many, how many of you guys had a response where that word where you filled in the blank was negative? Maybe you said someone who is under submission is weak. Someone who is under submission is oppressed. Someone who is under submission is less than. Someone who is under submission is marginalized. Some feel that godly recognition and submission to authority is an unbearable burden. Some people feel like if, if to be under submission, I have to say that I'm inferior. To be under submission, I have to say I am less than. To be under submission, I have to say I'm not enough. Whatever these thoughts may be similar to these that might come up, they are lies from the enemy. If, if I'm under submission, I have to acknowledge someone as superior to me. Even if that's the case, and even if we're talking about another person, what is wrong with that? I'm looking at a room full of people that are superior to me in ways that you have amazing strengths that I don't. So what in the world is wrong with me submitting to the authority, the knowledge, the expertise, the experience, the wisdom, you know, the life's experience, the gifts of someone else and saying, I'm all ears. I'm all heart. I'm listening. Anybody here see Jesus as weak? Anybody here see Jesus as weak? 
Anybody see Jesus as inferior? Anybody see Jesus as less than? Like, them are fighting words. Like, people getting riled up right now. You're like, no, no, no. A more submissive man than Jesus has never lived. A man more submissive than Jesus Christ has never lived. Remember the relationship between God the Father and God the Son? They are completely equal in their being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Completely equal in their being. But they have different roles when it comes to authority. Different roles. Again, I said this before, our failure to exercise biblical authority and our failure to submit to biblical authority isn't just wrong and sad. It sins against the very nature of God. So I'm going to read a passage and I really want it to sink in. And I want this passage to be the last thing that we remember. I want it to be something that provokes thought. I want it to be something that drives us to the word, to, to be in God's presence. And that's 1 Corinthians 11.3. 1 Corinthians 11.3. says this, But I want you to understand. And, and I'll say this to, to you all as well. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God the Father. Now, ladies or men, if all you heard in that is the head of every wife is her husband, then you missed the, the, the richest nugget of truth in here that says the head of Christ is the Father. Jesus. Is he weak because he submitted to the Father? Or do we look at that as strength and loyalty and power and support and cooperation. We look at that. We look at Jesus' submission to the Father as strength and support and cooperation and beauty, right? So I'm telling you, any other role where that, that for the sake of authority or responsibility, we're under submission, we shouldn't look at it any different. It's an opportunity to exert strength and submission, confidence and peace in humility. We'll get to this later in the series, but I want to point something out, talking about responsibility and talking about authority. There's a passage I'll read later where Paul identifies Adam by name and he doesn't address Eve by name, he says women. And the whole reason for that is he's pointing at Adam going, you were given a responsibility by God before Eve even came on the scene. You were given a responsibility to lead. And Adam, I'm calling you out. You didn't lead your wife to the extent you should have. 
So I'm calling you out. I'm not calling Adam and Eve out. I'm calling Adam out. And then I'm referencing women. That's the responsibility. This ties in with what I'm talking about. God has different roles, different functions, different responsibilities that we all have. And they're huge. And we've got to trust the Lord in these things. I look forward to talking about submission. I hope in even sharing this passage from 1 Corinthians 11 that it stirs something within you to look at submission in a different way. Submission is good. And submission was modeled to us perfectly by the Son, Jesus Christ. I encourage you guys, be here, log in, check in, listen to every one of these messages that we're talking about. And I promise you this, the topics that you're like, I ain't coming. Let me know when you're talking about that topic, that one. I'm going to miss that week. Don't do that. There's goodness in all of it. And I'm telling you, you're going to see some things that perhaps you've never seen before. There's some dots going to be connected that perhaps you've never had connected before. And you're going to see that our God is a good God and that submission is a good thing.